Hey, you want to go out west and race stock? You know what kind of car you need? I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. And welcome to another edition of Class Racing Today, December 14th, 2020. crazy this year this year that would never end is about to end we only have two weeks left 11 days till christmas if anybody's allowed to celebrate christmas depending on where you live and have you been well, naughty actually, or nice yet bobby are you oh, on the naughty list this year i'm always on the naughty list you drive a ford what do you expect <laughs> santa claus hasn't visited me in quite yeah since the, since the eighty nine ninety season, I think it was. Yeah, I think I was on the naughty list last year because I asked for a horsepower reduction, and then they got rid of that completely. The way I read the rule book, so I'm not asking for nothing this year. You gotta ask Santa Spengross for your reduction, not for your car. You're you're wasting time trying to ask about what that car is. I'm just asking for horsepower. I want to make my car faster. I need to redo that. You should ask for. Ask for a horsepower penalty, so it'll force you to work harder. No, I just asking my uh, engine builder for horsepower. Or that—that that no. doesn't come from Santa, though. That's going to take—that's going to take dollars and cents. You got to look at it this way, Bobby. Though, instead of trying to change the rules and complain about them, just spend that much time working on our cars, and we'll be faster. I know. <laughs> But that doesn't not as fun. <laughs> well, just take the tips, you know, like last week we had some good tips. Effort. Hopefully today with another world champion on, maybe he can give us some tips where we can get faster without spending lots of money. I'm sure he'll give us good tips. I don't know if they'll be ones that require not spending a whole lot of money. But yes, he is a world champion. As a matter of fact, he has six national event wins, eight divisional event wins, Nine. Nine. <laughs> Who's Come on, I got that Who's right off of NHRA's website. <laughs> Virginia was number nine. Nine divisional event wins. All right. I'm going to have to try and prevent him from getting number 10. And actually, for the first time in NHRA history, he and his brother, who, his identical twin brother, Byron, finished first and second in national points. What quite an amazing feat. So, Mr. Brian Warner, he actually drives a 1990 IROC-Z Camaro and Superstock J Automatic. Or when he feels like it, it's an 86 Camaro in GTJ Automatic. Because you know those GTSS rules that none of us understand. None of us schmucks like me and Brian understand. That's why Brian Warner is here today, to help us, you know, understand more. Brian is actually a Washington, D.C. firefighter, Brian. Warner, I got that correct, and yes. a volunteer firefighter in Duncannon, Pennsylvania, where he lives. That, that's correct. That's crazy. So, I have a quick question. So you're a twin, right? Which one was first? Yep. Byron, three minutes. <laughs> Jeez, getting beat by your my little mom, brother. Mom said, mom, mom said he was born. My mama said. <laughs> mom said he he was born and uh the doctor was like hey uh wait a minute there's another one in there 
They didn't even know back then. So yeah. you must be oh, since he so he should be a true start advocate since he got to leave first. Oh, <laughs> uh, you uh, you'll get my opinion. Yeah, that's let's save that for later there. But don't you uh Ryan. is it like Hey, wait a minute. First of all, let let's let, let's not forget about your your first question that you're going to ask about going faster. Um what what combination do you run, Ryan? What's in your car? Uh LS1. In, in the uh, what what year? Sixty nine Camaro? No, I run a ninety nine Camaro LS one. <laughs> oh, you have a ninety nine? I thought you had a sixty nine. No, 99. all right. I, I, if you had a sixty nine with a big block, I was going to make a suggestion on how to make that thing go real fast because I know somebody that's really got a lot of those cars that fly. But the the LS stuff, I don't know what to tell you. What, yeah. what do you have for uh, what do you have for fuel injection? Uh, currently running big stuff, but we're switching over to Holly. Right now, we're uh, doing a refresh and switching over to the Holly system. I'll tell you, I, I run the big stuff. Uh, Meanie's been a great help to me, especially this year. All the all the issues I seem to have, but issues. I've never seen you have any issues. Well, I'll tell you about them. <laughs> I, uh, uh, anyway, he won seventy two races this year, and he had issues apparently. <laughs> I did. Uh, anyway, the LS stuff. I, I told Bobby yesterday i said uh not a lot of people know this but byron and i are actually in the process i mean it's just been a slow process especially slowed up now with all the covid stuff you can't get anything um we're we're building ls motors so this is going to be an interesting uh true start conversation also but uh so you're, yeah. you're building an ls quit to go gt then yeah factory gt yep yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit of a learning curve just trying to figure out the tuning and that stuff and the you know not knowing anything other than big stuff like it's it's it seemed really overwhelming when we started. I feel like Meanie's kind of like an evil genius. Like he's so smart, it's hard to have a conversation with people that aren't that way. Oh, I agree. Every time I ask him a question, he's like just blurts out the answer, and I'm like, okay, well, what what tab do I go into? What what you know? <laughs> Get get me through this step by step so I can do it. But we we figure it out. I mean, I've been I've been doing this, you know, the fuel injection stuff for a few years now. And, uh, you know, you, you know where to go and what to do. But he, you know, just like he act he act thinks that you know this system as well as he does. Yeah. And he he made it. He designed it. He built it. You know. And, and the gen the new Gen Four stuff is pretty impressive too, with the router and how you know you can wirelessly tune and. I like the idea yeah, of not plugging I, into it. Yeah, that, that, that's neat, but we still have the Gen 3 stuff. The problem I have is just everybody that helps me tune it and everybody around's all Holly, so I have a really good Holly support system, and there's so many things I'm trying yeah. to learn into this game. i got to keep it as simple as I can, and if somebody already knows how to do it, I don't need to try to learn something else. I'm just trying to be as efficient as I can. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the route we're going to go with the LS stuff, too. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's pretty neat. It's definitely uh, the guys that know how to tune. I mean, I don't think there's a lot to it. It's fairly basic. It's just figuring your way around the systems and which way places to click. And I haven't had any problems with the big stuff. Like I said, it's always worked. Um, I don't get in there a lot. Sometimes communication hookups and just little basic stuff like that's kind of a a pain. Yeah, I like to keep an eye on my air fuel ratio. See where it's at. You have to make a few tweaks here and there if you, you gotta go different tracks 
have drastic weather changes or whatever, but just to make sure it's not running too lean or too rich. Do you try to make a, do you try to make a tweak before Q1, um, before you even get there or do you just make the run as is? Yeah, I, I wait till my first run, get the data, go from there. And I, I, once, uh, once the last qualifying session's done, that's it for the changes. It's, it's running the way it is, and I'm not going to change it then. You're an Alpha N kind of guy, right? Yep. yep. So if you're qualifying at the Nationals on a Thursday and it's like 80 degrees, and then Friday it's 52 degrees outside, do you you just leave it alone? Just got to deal with it? Yep, pretty much. I mean, you know, another thing too is I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I run a restrictor plate a lot, and I, I don't like to tune with the restrictor plate. You know, you like to tune it up. So this year, and I, I think this really helped me a lot this year, is I entered most of the uh, test sessions at the races I went to. Yeah. And uh, uh, Virginia, <laughs> you know, I went to both finals. I put 21 runs on my car that weekend. Ooh. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, did four, got four test runs, had uh, two qualifiers the first, race and then one qualifier of the second race so had plenty of plenty of time there to get good data and that actually that race you talk about the problems that i had um i i had a problem with the car shutting off on me off the start line um it, it did it at uh maple grove third round i lost that round at the divisional race and um then the following race we had uh the class race for nationals at new media and the first day, I, I, I lost a couple hundred where I didn't think I should have on, on the first race. And then the uh, second race, it shut off on me again off the line against Jeff Tripp first round. <laughs> Running an eight-second car and your car shuts off off the line, you're in trouble. And he uh. went blow by me at the eighth mile. And I'm, I was history there. So, um you know, we were we were trying things all year long, different things. And I had I had a little uh, a little upgrade done to the heads over the winter by Tilburg, and and we just playing catch up with the uh, air fuel the whole the whole year up till that point basically. And I decided that Virginia enough was enough, and Irby Knoll talked me into just taking his program, putting it in my car, and going from there. And and we did it. You see the result. So the car shutting off on you, that was that a tuning issue or was that just something silly, like a bad ground or something? No, Maybe? it wasn't anything to do with grounds or electricity or anything. You know, it was all all the fuel delivery. Wow. Um, the, the one thing I discovered, and I don't know how it happened, but it's happened to me twice now. Um, the program went into closed loop. And yeah. I didn't put it there. So, and, and, and the guys are, guy, you know, at least on purpose. And the guys are telling me, you know, that tune these things regularly that on, you know, closed loop is okay to run every now and then. Like when you make a drastic change and you want to, you know, not run too rich or too lean, you want the thing to correct. Then you put it on closed loop for a couple runs to get it in the ballpark where you can tune it. Right. Well, if you leave it there, which I discovered, guys and a lot of other guys had this issue running closed loop. 
that it loads up off the starting line. Like it, it, it's calling for, you know, so much more fuel than it needs. On the right trans off the brake, line. Yep. And then, yeah, cause... yeah, cause yeah, because the air fuel ratio, if you ever looked at your, your readout on the trans brake is way lean, way lean. So it's way lean. It's like, it's correct. Yep. So it's just dumping fuel in there. And see the fast you know, XFI you... I have it automatically when you're on a rev limiter it shuts off closed loop. I like that feature. Yeah, well, I wish. Well, I wish big, but maybe maybe the Gen Four stuff has it, but I don't know. The, the three doesn't. You can set the parameters for like when it turns off and on, but I don't think there's actually like an auxiliary input that you can shut it off. You know, you can have it at like four thousand RPM or five thousand RPM or whatever, but or temperatures, but I don't think you can do an auxiliary input like where it actually switches off and on. But anyway, we we got her figured out. Yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> So Herbie Are uses we, Herbie uses big stuff too. Then is that what you're telling us? Yep, yep. I'm not giving out his secrets. Are you? Uh, <laughs> are you like a multiple timing curve guy? Like, do you like in your timing chart? Do you have the 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 funny thing was with with my old program, and I had a, a, another tuner set that program up. That was like that. That was timing changing going down the track. Now there's just there's just one timing change. So we go from timing timing X in pretty much the first half of the run off the launch maybe to about the three thirty is to timing Z going you know the second half of the run. Yeah, I I kind of when I got my I bought my motor actually was one Alcord I had and I got his computer and I plugged it in and that's basically how we started it and ran it and Every time I tried to play with it or tried to have other people help me do stuff, it was, I'd always just go back to that tune and it was always just happy. I mean, I've tweaked the fuel a little bit now with a few changes, but there's all kind. Of, I mean, it's got crazy timing curve stuff all programmed in there. I think every box is something different. And some people are like, oh, I'll just put in one number. And I'm just curious what other people are doing. I've heard it both ways, so <laughs> yeah, you gotta have a you gotta have a crank trigger for that feature though. That's the problem with with the car that I run in stock. When I allowed a crank trigger, my my RPM signal is horrific looking, very jagged. So whenever I tried those multiple timing curves, I mean the the timing is just going like this back and forth to different timing settings. So I just I feel I have to lock it just at one number, unfortunately. So stock less crank triggers. Thank you. Good luck with that. I tried to get a vacuum pump in regular super stock, and they voted that down. <laughs> I mean, what 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 performance advantage is that? It's a it's a safety issue, if anything. You know? right. mm -hmm. it, but hey, here we go. You know, I know this is a good topic on your on your show. Oh, we do have a lot of modified modified cars can run them, can't oh. they? So here I, I ah. line up against hey. I line up against them in the other lane sometimes. I can't run it. Let's just back you know, up and what, make it. What, let's dumb this down a little bit first, though. So, what's the difference between a crank trigger and like a reluctor wheel? Like, because I don't run a crank trigger, I have like a 24x reluctor wheel. Is that technically the same thing or not? You're allowed to run a crank trigger on that on that car, I but believe. I but I don't. Oh. It just runs well. the stock a reluctor wheel. Do you record your? I mean, do you record with that big stuff? Yep. Uh, check a check a playback. Is your like see if on my recording my tax signal looks like this the whole time. So if yours is nice and straight, 
like on my super stalker with the crank trigger mine's mine's like really nice shift you know nice you know no no jagged that's the way mine is so check yours brian yeah it's and... it's smooth like butter i think maybe you're just running the wrong system <laughs> new guy telling the veteran he's i know jeez <laughs> well nothing wrong that's with the way we are that's the world we're in isn't it bobby yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! So the modified, uh, yeah. I mean, given we had a nice, friendly modified driver on last week, I, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I, but I did tell him I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the of the hood scoop cars being in super stock. But hey, that's the way it is. I knew that coming in, so I don't, I don't want to complain about it too much. But now that you just brought up the point that they're allowed to run vacuum pumps and and we're not, like, this is where I get. This is where. Super stock just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. Brian, Warner, and Brian. I, I, hey, you know you're you're gonna. I know what road you're going here, and I I mentioned it numerous times to people. I know it's been brought up. The uh, you know the modified cars and the front wheel drive cars. They can run a whole aftermarket front suspension. Why can't I do that on my car? I mean. You can't tell me that's not an advantage EP wise, let alone safety wise. I mean, you know, there I am with my stock A arms and you know, just running the car basically the way it was delivered from the factory. And they've got a whole, you know, AFCO or strange or whatever front suspension under the car. Right. <laughs> so do you think that you should be allowed to run an aftermarket, yeah. or they should have to run more of an OEM type? No, I, I think it, this is super stock. Stock eliminator should be stock. Super stock, you know, obviously we can do a lot of things, but why can't we upgrade the suspension? We have a four-link in the back. I mean, how, long, how many years ha, has that been uh, a, a standard feature, per se, on a super stock car? You can't do that to a stock eliminator car. <laughs> right. You have a new new car, but you know, the, why not? Well, what's hold what's holding this back? Do you think some of that comes you know, down they, to? I know they claim they well they claim it's money, right? But we all know. I mean, to go really fast, you got to spend money. I mean, look at the look at the fast fast class car. They're real fast. Are these people firemen, policemen, you know, that that make their own, you know, that race on their own dime mostly? Or are they business owners? You know, are they, I don't know, lottery winners or Self, whatever? Guys, guys, with, <laughs> guys with, with unlimited funds to throw at this racing operation. I mean, that, that's basically, they're the fast people out there. I mean, I, and when I say fast, I, I mean, you know, 140, 150 under these index fast. And, and, you know, you do have the the guy with the oddball combinations, the taxi cabs, whatever they got out there that, that they make fly, but they're, you know, they're few and far between. There's only a couple of them in the whole country. But, you know, well, the, the, guys, the guys that pretty much, you know, light the world on fire when they when they have a heads up run and, and 
you know, run outrun the guy by two tenths to the thousand foot and shut off. You know, they're they're the ones, and I'm not talking about, you know, me racing a '69 Camaro and Superstock J automatic. I mean, we we all know that combination's been beat up, and, and you know, mine's been preserved pretty much. You know, this LS or this L uh, L98 combination hasn't been run, you know, probably but what eight ten years now maybe in Superstock. I mean, nobody ran it because the heads were junk. Right. Now we, now we can run the aftermarket head on them. And, and you see the result. Their guys are flying with it. Did they make you carry extra weight for the aftermarket head? They have five horsepower. Yeah. Well, I get that I'm a complete noob to the sport and understanding everything, but it, I think you could basically summarize it as there's three categories, right? You have the money tree guys that just they're going to spend whatever it takes to be the fastest guy out there and that's what they care about then you have probably the the creative guys that are going to find the odd combo something that has been run they're really going to research what combo makes the most sense which one's easiest to go to fast you know they're really going to analyze everything and try to use that for an advantage but then you also have some guys that maybe don't have a money tree but they just work really hard um I know several guys that don't, they're some of the fastest in their class. They're not millionaires. They're, they're spending some money on the car, but they also work really damn hard. They do everything themselves. Like they're always constantly trying to hone in the sport. And I think those are kind of the three oh. categories. Like if I can't, out, I, I like I personally, I can't outspend people. I have a combo that's been hammered pretty hard. So I'm trying to work on myself. Like how can I drive better? What can I, if I am going to put X amount of dollars in my car, where can I put it to get the biggest turnaround or biggest, you know, bang for the impact. But, you know, there's some people that just work really, really hard too and to get better. But I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, but it, you know, with all that, with all that time and effort in, in their, in their, you know, testing and, and, you know, I, hands, I, I just, envy the guy that can go out there and test and you know make a run then go back in the 90 degree heat get under his car and change a converter <laughs> you know and then go in, in the grass or the dirt you know and get out there and and make another run and and you know just to find out that that thing didn't pick him up you know maybe a hundredth or so or you know maybe slowed him down a hundredth or whatever and and then you go back and get under the car and put the old converter back in oh. and go or put another. Now, to me, that's, that's not fun. <laughs> you know, I, but granted, I do go testing. You know, we, we, we test every, at least once or twice a year, just to, just to make sure that things are going to run right. Cause you know, I'm the guy that I like to do all my work here in the shop. And uh, when I go to the races, you know, I like to, you know, concentrate on winning the race you know don't i'm not out there to you know, try to find out if i can get pick up you know two three hundreds with this or with that you know unless unless somebody suggests i try something but last year or this year i did test a lot and uh you know i don't know maybe i should do it more i don't know <laughs> the result i'm kind of that way like if there's a test i should <laughs> I think if there's a test, I'm, of course, I'm different. I don't have many runs in a car, or even at the drag strip. So anytime there's a test, I'm there. They're like, geez, you know, you're hard on equipment. You're just making passes. Like, why do you want to burn your stuff up? Like, I have to get better. Like, there's, 
testing for data and there's testing for just getting used to the car and trying different things and the comfort level and you know i built the yeah, car man. it's it's well, a race car i want to just make passes you know the class thing's cool and that's my yeah. main focus but at the end of the day i just want to go down the track yeah there's nothing there's nothing nothing can replace seat time yeah that's for sure right yeah you, you you get you know once you get a routine down you just try to do the same thing every time you go up to the starting line whether it's a test run or a final round, you know, you get in that, get in that groove and get your confidence down and then you start winning some rounds. And we kind of, we, we kind of veered off topic. I mean, as far as like the GT and the suspension changes, but do you think some of that is just to allow more cars in? Like, let's face it, super stocks, they're not filling events. So, I mean, you kind of want to keep it. You kind of want to get all cars, right? I, honestly, I, I think the GT, the rule you're talking about the rule for the super stock cars can run GT. Well, I'm just saying between or, GT and modify and letting in all the different kind of cars. I mean, can we really afford to lose cars in super stock, no matter which whether they got a hood scoop or aftermarket front suspension? I mean, having more open rules like uh, that and allowing more cars. I guess, to fit I guess in. it depends on. I guess it depends on what part of the country you're in, right, Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we can we can fill a racetrack. That's right. for sure. But, uh, I mean, you got come to the Maple Grove points race, you're going to see 80, 90, 100 super stockers and a qualified field and stock. Yeah, it's just yeah the way this the way it is within this part of the country. Right. But then, you know, things I can't figure out is you go to a track like Virginia. <laughs> easy to get to, right off the highway, you know. Literally, and, literally. <laughs> and, and, it, and it used to be a Division II track, so it's, you know, located right in between a lot of, you know, a hotbed of racing, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania. You know, I know it's a pretty long trip for the New Yorkers to get down there. We have, you know, we seem to have a ton of racers that live up in the New York area or north, just north of that. But, uh, you know, it's straight down 95. It isn't that far. And, uh, you rarely get a seven-round race in Virginia, and I, I don't understand that. Beautiful track. Now, yeah. you, there, there's not a bump in that track from the time you pull in the burnout box to the time you get off the end of the track. This thing is beautiful. Is it just like a time frame deal? Is it a management issue? Is it how smooth uh, things run? No or? clue. No clue. I, I can't figure that one out. Yeah, I that's, guess I'm guilty. I, I, I think that's I haven't run it best, since 2015. So I think that is absolutely the best racetrack we race on, and the facilities not bad either. Pa pavement everywhere, right? Yeah, I think I was I on mean, pavement got, every time I was there. Yeah, you got the the whatever they call that dirt gravel, whatever you park on, but you got paved roads everywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go off the blacktop. I hate driving on stone even at maple grove when i'm out and you like pitting out in that hill out there i hate driving on stones um just uh, flings we, them all up onto we, the car i've gotten flat tires doing it i just don't i don't i've like gotten it. flat tires there too but you know bobby i got flat tires more at your favorite track ever english town <laughs> so yeah, I. Than, than i got anywhere else and that was all paved yeah all, all paved with potholes you guys need to come out to the wild west and driving down like gravel and sand and dirt roads and yeah you, you, ever, some buggy. you ever been to, brian you ever been to dallas no i haven't 
you want you want gravel and dust, go to Dallas. Uh, I I need to rethink. We my pulled ex- in that place. Hey, we pulled in that place at eight o'clock at night, and Byron was ahead of me in the motorhome and the trailer, and I'm in my pickup truck with my trailer. And he turned right off of the main road to go back around the back gate to get in the track, and he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I the only thing. The only thing I could see was his tail light. It was that dusty. We have a thank God we got a we got a pit spot where we avoided most of that. Only one day did the wind blow where it was blowing in the back of our trailers. The rest of the time it was blowing the other way. Mm-hmm. But that was enough that was enough to put a thin layer of that dust all through everything you own. We have a pretty neat track here they're redoing up in uh Rock Falls, Wisconsin. It's uh it's pretty funny. We're driving along and I think they actually had something on Facebook, but they do like a stick shift race. They have all this stuff going on, you know. And uh, I think they had something on Facebook about the road. While they're doing construction, they're rebuilding like the pit areas and the turnaround. I mean, they've really spent a lot of time and money redoing things. And I think there was a post, something about the road is pretty rough, so you should take this other way. And I'm like, you know, it was getting late. And I'm like, it's literally like an eighth mile of gravel. Like, how bad could it be? I'm telling you, that was the rough, roughest eighth mile stretch of my entire life. Like it was washboard, <laughs> like six inch deep ridges every foot, and you're going along, and it's like driving across a cornfield the whole way. <laughs> I think it took ten minutes to do that eighth mile stretch. My kids are in the truck, you know, stuff's flying everywhere. Open up the trailer, and it's just, oh man, it's like you ran that thing through the dryer and just tumble cycle. I'm like, yeah, I probably should have took the extra five minutes and went around, but. You know, for the most part here, you're pitting on grass or sand. And there's some tracks, but it never fails after you've detailed the car and you polish everything up. It's, uh, you get everything clean and then you always end up parking out in the rhubarb and driving through the dirt. That's all part <laughs> of the totally experience. totally reminded me of a, st- of a story off topic at the national event at Englishtown where I did have a wonderful paved pit spot. Um, me and my uncle, my dad, like the whole family will come to that one. Dad went back to PA. My uncle and I were, were there. The Mickey Thompson guy pulls in. So I wanted to give him a little bit more room. So I was like, let me just move, I'll, I'll move the, the trailer over, you know, a couple feet, go up, come back. Well, I didn't have the, I had the car. I, I have one of those like rubber mats that you drive the front tire into. So it stays put. I didn't have the car in gear. So I like I moved up a little bit and I just felt like a boom. And I was like, oh no. And then I, and I backed it up and here my super stocker, I crashed into all the cabinets up in front of the trailer. So we're like, Oh, what are we going to do? He's going to kill us. So my uncle and I, we ran to like a pet boys in the area. We had to find a headlight. The headlight was smashed. We had to take all the, the bumper. We, we were doing all this stuff, but there was no way we were going to fix the smashed cabinets. So dad came the next day and he, it took him about like two or three hours before he actually noticed all the smashed cabinets in front of the trailer. He didn't just have like something sitting up in front of there, like. Oh God, no! But at least the front end, we fixed the car. You know, yeah. I was like, "Where am I going to find a headlight for this '65 Mustang?" But anyways, I that was, I I went to go warm the car up. I was driving away. He walked in the trailer. He ran out of that trailer. He said, "What happened?" But I was already warming the car. I can't hear you. Sorry, <laughs> driving away. <clears throat> that's a that's a good topic. Here's a totally random question for you brian so as the world champ how do you figure out where you're gonna pit like you know getting the car ready getting everything figured out and then it's like hey save me a spot here save me a spot there the guys you pit by like 
I think the most stressful thing about the race for me now after my second year is figuring out where do I want to park and how much space do I need? And am I straight? Like, Well, fortunately for us here in Division One, we've developed quite a rapport with uh, some of the guys that are responsible for hitting people, parking people in the pits. And depending on whether that said person is going to be at the races or not, we pretty much say, hey, this is where we want to go. Let us know. Try to keep an eye on it, make sure it's available. Or, or we just try to be, you know, one of the first ones there. And not, not necessarily the guy that gets there on Monday morning after the last race and goes parks in the local Walmart, waits till the gates open 20 minutes before he's in the parking lot waiting. That's one thing I thought never. I never thought that would be stressful, right? Though, like, oh, what, what's this chair? Yeah. Oh, that's my spot. That's my chair. It, it, you want to You want to see stressful? You want to do do this one time? Come to the Atco. Atco. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're gonna You're gonna see more miles, more caution tape, <clears throat> caution tape, and more traffic cones and trash cans and feet chairs and lawn yeah. chairs. Than you ever seen. Looks like there was a murder there. Do not cross yes. tape. Yeah, we did. We get there's there. Arguments, we, there's, there's like. Oh, we always get there on a Wednesday. Wednesday more like or late morning, and there's already miles of tape everywhere. Now, a few years ago, when they. When they always change it, they only have one race now, and it's all, it was always in uh, August. Dave Lay always had a uh, combo race the week before, so we would always go to that race on Saturday, claim our pit spots for the next weekend on the blacktop, and uh, go to the beach for a week, come back Friday and race the points race. Uh, I don't know if he's having that the week before this year or not. I think there's a there's I think there's an open. Taken. that race is in april um yeah. but yeah just atco was a nightmare as far as trying to find your pit spot and you know, we even had a guy the one year um we did that we went to the beach we had our trailers parked and a guy came and parked literally two feet from my brother's trailer like you know you're supposed to leave room for a car there. He literally parked two feet beside my brother's trail. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we lit the guy up, but what, what are you going to do? He, he was, he wasn't going to move. <laughs> so we ended up moving. We, oh. both of us, because we, you know, we even had a spot safe for Herbie. So we ended up moving because we, we can't, we can't race with a, you know, another guy in your pit. <laughs> With his, you know, with his trailer and everything, so. Well, that makes me feel yeah, that, a little better if it's still something that the world champion still goes through stress on, then I don't feel so I, bad. You know, I, I, you'll love this argument. I, and it wasn't really an argument. I was just, you know, having having a little fun with, with our tech guys. But uh, I said, why? You know, this was a few years ago after I won the division. And I think Byron, it was like two years after he had won the world championship in the division. I'm like, why do multiple time division champ, defending division champ, why do we have to park out here in the grass and dirt when you got the new guy with the Copo Camaro or the Cobra Jet Mustang or the Drag Pack Challenger 
with it just because he has a big rig and whatever. Why why does he get to park up here on the blacktop and we're out here in the grass? Shouldn't he have to pay his dues and win some races before he gets this, you know, red carpet thrown out for him to come in and race with us? But you know, I was I was just joking. You know, that seriously, like I was told years ago the division champ had his choice to where he wanted to park for the uh, divisional races. No. I don't know. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> hey, you're the champ? Yeah, see you out there see in the it. dirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how they handicap it. Yeah. Brian, are you going to hit the... Uh, I'm sure you've heard by now about the Class Racing Revival race in St. Louis. Um, Planning on it. Tyler Bahannon's throwing? Yep. Okay. Yep. Planning on that. Hopefully and that is the, uh, March 31st to April 3rd, I believe, St. Louis. Yep. Okay. Yep. Hopefully starting the season in Gainesville for the baby Gators and the Gators, and then go to that one. Get a couple races in before we come back and knock heads with the Division One guys. Of course, most of them will be down in Gainesville anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. that Gainesville early in the year, it's it's a good excuse to get out of this crap weather up here and go down there. And I feel yep. like last year when they had Gainesville late in the year, I don't think you're going to get the same kind of turnout. Uh, well, that was the Atlanta. You did have the Gator Nationals. You know, they, they ran them on schedule. Wasn't that one of the last races? Oh, I, yeah, it I, yeah, it was the last race. I yep. was going to go, and uh, Byron wasn't going to go, but I was going to go, and uh, Herbie and I were going to go. And then Herbie couldn't enter because uh, of the quota. Wonderful quota. 50 cars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I withdrew. Literally, you know, did I, I didn't know that that was going to be my last opportunity to race until June, or I would have probably gone by myself. It'll be really interesting this year to see how everything shakes out, what's going to be open, what's not. I mean, I hope everybody's racing and this crap's all behind us, but... Well, what I understand, Florida hasn't shut anything down, and they're they have one of the the lowest. Uh, they're reporting one of the lowest rates of positive tests right now. So, I, I think you know all these all these states, whatever that shut everything down, are just we're just hurting ourselves. I think the yeah. I think we're hear, the you don't even want to hear my opinion on the man. We're the. <laughs> Where the rubber meets my Facebook. Mask on. Hold, hold on. Hey, here I am. I have my mask on. Hi, Governor. <laughs> Where the rubber meets the road, though, is when when higher powers dictate and they start pulling money from states. So that's when we'll decide who's tough and who's not. Like, I'm pretty sure in South Dakota, our governor's got a pretty strong stance on what she can and can't do. And we don't need anybody else. We don't need this, the government money, so they can't really hold much above us. So I think we'll stay open, but some of those bigger states, they might see a little more pressure from above to toe the line, and I hope that's not where it goes. I hope everybody can race and have fun, but that's really that the St. Louis will be a good maybe first race for some people, and if things are shut down, I'm glad that that'll be the opportunity we can go do. Yeah, I I don't think uh, yeah, all the races that I've been to, I, I haven't heard of anybody having COVID. And anybody tested positive that I know of that, that race anywhere, and especially getting it from a race, I know I haven't heard that either. 
It's, it's, I don't know about your I don't know about your races, but you know, other, other than you know, supposedly having to wear the mask, the, the only races we really got told we had to wear the masks up the staging lanes and all that was Dallas and Vegas. Everywhere else we went, yeah, it was pretty lax. I mean, it's pretty easy to socially it. distance at a track yeah, oh, too, yeah, though. Like yeah. I provided some math, funny math for that on uh, on Facebook. I was just like, Maple Grove is like so many acres, and I could, with yeah, a six like, foot radius. Yeah, I said the exact same thing. You could fit like <laughs> ninety thousand people there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you guys, like, you, you can't, you guys yeah. can't minimize the situation though. Like we literally lost a computer to COVID today. Like we're normally doing Facebook Live, and <laughs> I mean we're gonna have it tested. You know who knows how the tests will come back. We got a rapid test, so it'll probably be four weeks before we know what happens. And jeez, <laughs> how about the uh, Class Racer Nationals in New Media? Uh, Kenny Mealy of ClassRacing.com announced that he's bringing that back August, uh, what July thirty first to August first. Brian, you gonna hit that one? Obviously, like. An hour right. and 40 minutes or an hour and a half from my house. Oh, that's a short one for you. We got it good here. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, Brian, I'm sure you don't want to hear this, but as we, our farthest trip for a points race is epic. And that's on a, on a good day, that's like eight hour drive. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been going up and up back to there for how many years now? I think I can only count a handful of times when it's taken me eight hours or less to get there. Everything else, there's always traffic, there's always wrecks and destruction. And then it's, it's like four or five, six different routes to get there. So, so I'm about I'm but, about three and a half from Brainerd, and Earlville is Earlville, Iowa is probably close to seven and a half. Would be the second closest one I can go to. So wow. We got Lebanon Valley, which is about five, five and a half. Uh, New Media, hour and a half. Maple Grove, hour and 15 minutes. Atco, two and a half. Um, Virginia, four, four and a half, depending on traffic. Maybe five if we go the roundabout way. And that's, but, frankly, yeah. that's kind of a limiting factor here. That's, you know, like to get enough grade points to even get into Brainerd you know you pretty much need six grade points to get into Brainerd for a divisional or for the national and I've I did the divisional thing and I'd like to do the national but I mean I got to go to Great Bend Kansas and Topeka just to try to get enough points and it's <laughs> honestly you're yeah, being fortunate for us it's a tough being, hey, we have seven we have seven point races here in division one and like I said Eight hours is the farthest I have to go for one of them. Yeah. And guys around here do it, and they, they put on the miles, and they do it, and they're really successful at it. I just – I look at – we have such a strong association here, and for me kind of cutting my teeth in stock and figuring out what's going on, I mean, the payouts are just as good, if not better. And, you know, I can go, oh, three and a half hours to one. It's three and a half hours to the other one. Brainerd's three and a half. You know, basically within five hours, I can race six, seven times. And for where I'm at in my life with kids and events and family stuff, like it's hard to go drive eight hours to go sit at a divisional for three days. I mean, you're a working guy just like I am. I mean, your time is just as valuable as your money almost. I mean, there's just so many things to do, and it's kind of a limiting factor. I'm going to try to hit a few divisionals. I'd like to try to get enough grade points to do a national. I think Bobby tells me it's all that, so 
I'm going to just go and win one and see what it's like. <laughs> hey, win a world championship. Then you don't have to worry about that ever again. <laughs> That's, no, more great, saving, no more great yep. points. Honey, we're saving money. We're going to get a gold card. We don't have to pay for these anymore. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you want to hear something funny? I, I was going to, Bobby, you'll appreciate this. Um, you know, the world champ gets a gold card, obviously. Division champ gets a gold card. Well, Byron finished number two in each, so he just gets the silver card. That's it. So I, I was going to ask Dave Moan if I can defer my division gold card to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forfeit my division gold card and give it to Byron right? so he can have a gold card for the year. Well, you know, he might as well let you. He should have let your older brother win, you know, just so. He already has a win. He already has a championship. All right, Brian, what's the difference, Warner, uh, between the gold card and the silver card? The gold card gets you free entry to every national and every divisional. Yep. And That's silver just really, gets you. The, the gold card's supposed to get you, at least it used to, free entry into any race you want to go to in an NHRA track. Okay. All year long. So. So. Obviously, Bohannon's race and, and you know right. Mealy's races are different. They're not. But if I wanted to go to a national open, I should get in for free. If I want to go to uh, an NHRA bracket race, yeah, like a bracket I, race. Yeah. But I I don't think that's true anymore. I think it's just if they'd had super stock at a race, so I don't go race super stock at a bracket race. What's the silver card get you? At free national events. Other than you, you, you just don't. You have to pay the insurance. And that's the funny true for thing, gold and silver. You got to pay the insurance. Yeah, yeah. That, the first year I got a gold card was in '08 when I won the division in '07, and I believe that was the first year that you had to pay the insurance with your gold card. <laughs> like before that, you didn't pay anything. Uh, so and back does, then, I think it was back then. I think it was only like fifty bucks. Does that so, surpass in grade points? Do you need grade points then to get in, or can you just sign up now? World champ? Yeah. The gold and silver card. Actually, here's another thing a lot of people don't realize. That a gold and silver card, you can enter the race the last day, like the Monday before the race. So you silver, even, silver even still guarantees silver. you entry? Yes. Okay. Gold and silver guarantee you entry. And, and a lot of people don't even know this, like, in the second half of the season, top 10 or close to the, or getting close to the top 10, you're guaranteed entry too. Right. Like I had, I had to pull that to get entry into the Vegas national. I had to tell them, Hey, look, I'm number one in the world. Can I get into the Vegas national? Right. And uh, so I had to contact, uh, I can't remember her name. Dave Moon put me in contact with her and I had to enter that way. And then the funny thing was I even had uh, a uh, withdrawal to use to enter that race. I still have one. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to have to enter, uh, pay, use my withdrawal to enter a race like at the end of the year that I know I'm not going to go to and then just use withdrawal from there and use it next year. If I yeah, because I think it keeps adding a year every time you withdraw and that's what you might and, and let me just do. go on the record as stating i'm not going to be that guy <laughs> so do they not gonna en- i am not going to enter before any race this year before that monday uh very so kind want- yes 
and I think Byron's the same way. Yeah, I've noticed that you know, about. We, we, we went, we went, we went round and round with some guys on the internet last year, especially after Gainesville, because Herbie couldn't get in, and there was like a handful, maybe four, five, or six guys that were gold card, silver card, past world champs that were entered, and we're like, you know, asking each and every one of them why. Why do you do that? You know. One of the guys, and I don't even know if he knew he could do it, <laughs> to it's, be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, trust me, there's, there's people we race with that don't know half of the stuff they should know. I mean, you know, we won't even get into, you know, the the figuring out what you're going to run if you dump a thousand foot. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I guarantee it. Brian, I'm not picking on you, but I guarantee you there's, Three quarters of the racers we race against don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. They think they have to run their car to the quarter mile to figure out what they were going to run. Good. I like those guys. So I do keep, too. keep I doing it. So if you signed up, then and do they let 61 cars race in, or does somebody else get kicked out yeah. if, if it's full? No. No. Yeah. no. If, if no. the quota's met, yeah. If the quota's met, and then <laughs> that Monday or, or whatever day before that, you know, five or six. Gold card, silver card, world champs sign up, then you get 65, 66 cards. Right. And that turns it into a seven round race, which is one of the reasons I think that they're only limiting us to 50 or 55 now. I guess they're trying to account. They they want that to be 64 or less. I think they want one less round. These quotas are bullshit. My first year running a national event at Maple Grove, I got in with one grade point, amazingly. And we had 90 something. I think it was like 100 super stockers. Like, I mean, I was qualified like probably 90 out of 100, but like it was it was full. And, it, you know, it was like one of those weekends where we had uh, drizzling. We still got the whole race finished, though, I, I think. Um, I just don't understand what these these quotas, especially I, I in Division either. one. I have been I have been saying, listen, you take that division. Maple Grove Divisional gets 128 stalkers. You got to come up with some kind of a percentage system that the Maple Grove National Event should get like take 75% of whatever they got at the divisionals multiply it by 0.75. That's how many stockers you need to take, or that's how many super stockers, whatever. Come up with something that makes sense. Not 50, 50 stockers at a place that can get 128. I don't even agree with that because when my dad first came back, started racing in the, in the early nineties and we would go to these national events. We would go to English town, maybe Grove, Gainesville, you know, everything up and down the East coast. Norwalk, or not, Norwalk wasn't an A3 back then, Columbus, you know, wherever. You had no quotas. You had 80, 90 super stockers. You had over 100 stockers, you know. You had a full field of super comp, super gas, you know, super street, whatever they ran. You know, obviously, back then, you didn't have uh, top sportsmen, top dragster. But you had the alcohol cars. You had you had three times more alcohol cars back then yeah. that you do now, and you had probably minimum at any of those races. You probably had thirty. <laughs> yeah, probably four. I was going to say forty. Yeah. Forty pro stockers. You had twenty fuel cars in each category, and if you had bikes, you had you know twenty twenty five of them. You had, and you had a full manufacturer's midway. Yeah. Full. I mean, you had probably 20 trailers up there. 
I where did vaguely all the remember that. Space, yep. Where did all the pit space go? Because now pro stock parks were the alcohol cars used to, and the alcohol cars are now down into where the sportsman pits used to be, and all the sportsmen are out way out in the dirt. You know, so why? Where did all this pit space go? I mean, I know the answer, but why are we doing this? You know, why why are we they're taking money out of their pocket, whether they realize it or not. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. No. So I that's wish they would bring that in the mid midway back. That brings me I up was to too a, young to appreciate it. Brings it up to an interesting point here. If we ask everybody this, but what's one rule you'd like to see changed? Well, I we just talked about quotas. That's that's definitely. I don't know if it's a, you can call that a rule, but yeah, getting back to the uh, getting back to the suspension. I'd love to see my car be able to have you know an aftermarket front suspension. You know, not like we talked about before. Not only is that a safety feature, but you know, performance as well. Um, other cars in my class, not. Super stock, yes, but cars that I compete against run that. I should be able to. That that there you go. That's one rule I'd love to see change. Well, I'd I'd agree on the quota. I I'm a proponent that they should let, you know, qualify, right? So let in 80 cars, but we're going to qualify the top 60 or 50 or whatever at least. I, I say let in 80 and race 80. <laughs> you know, you're you're talking about one extra round. Yeah. How long does it take? Barring, you know, an oil down or an accident, how long does it take to run around a super stock? First round. For, Let's say first, first round, round is the only one. First two rounds maybe are the ones that you got to suffer through. Pairing up. But, After that. But you got the designated pair rule, which I think <laughs> is fair. I like it. I've been a designated pair. I don't. Hey, you know, you're one of the last three qualifiers and you race those guys. You're up there first. No questions asked. That gets the ball rolling. You know, I, I know there's guys back there that, that don't want to be first. I don't want to be first, but there's times when you got to be first. And, uh, you know, you, you hate to see the tech here, the, the lanes people having to beg people to pair up and go up there. Yeah. But it, it's just reality that people just, I don't know. I don't get it. You get up there, you pair up, you you're you're both able to get out and move up, move up. Right. Now me being the champ, I think I should have the best treatment there. Kidding. totally kidding. Are you getting your no, trailer um, is your trailer gonna Sunday, be rewrapped with champ on the side of it? No, hell no. Sunday that running two rounds, there's only four cars left on Sunday. Like you could I mean, I think you could run you should definitely run three rounds on Sunday. Uh, when they, when they, well, you know what? I, I kind of like being able to sleep in Sunday, but yeah, but you can sleep in and still run. There's eight cars. It takes like five you remember, extra minutes. Hey, talking about those old national events, you remember we we never raced four rounds on Saturday. <laughs> we might have ran one, one or two maybe. But right. uh, you guys kind of have I your rules. You guys have your rose-colored glasses on, though, because you can sleep, and you're only three hours from home. 
I remember running hey. class even as I've only been doing this for 11 years, uh, class on Friday, which I loved because that guaranteed first round was on Saturday. Hey, I made it to Saturday already. I didn't even have to do anything yet. So we were finishing yep. those races with more cars, not running first round Thursday night or running class Thursday during qualifying. Um, when, when there's no spectators and there's no like NHRA TV to even watch it. I don't, I'm not a fan of that. Cause I, yeah, I, you... I pay for that subscription just to watch basically class and qualifying and the first couple rounds. Yeah, of yeah. What, what's going what's to happen with that now? <laughs> do we, we have to subscribe to it now. Do we able to watch anything that there's, there's a rule, Brian, I want changed. I want our <laughs> old D one D three drag racer TV back. I don't want to, I don't want to have to pay NHRA like I did a few times and yeah. You, you go to watch super stock or stock and it's audio only on the yeah. first day of the event. I mean, right. what Camera's kind of not on. is that? I yeah. want my membership dues to cover the cost of it. That's what I want. But you got a gold card. You can uh, just show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to spectate for free. <laughs> There's my gold card. Doesn't the NHRA jet just fly in, pick you up. Hey, I want to go yeah. to, let's go see what's happening in Pomona pay. this weekend. Gonna pay somebody to drive my rig out there. And fly in. <laughs> All right, Brian, ask him the question. Ugh. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you want to ask it. Go ahead. So, what's the idea to bring more people into class racing? Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he wants to ask. Yeah. What do you want to ask? Yeah. Do you think True here. starts bullshit too? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't, and I, you know, I've driven a 10, 990, 10-second car pretty much the entire time I've been racing super stuff, and, you know, years ago, when we first started, it was, there was a lot of cars in that, in that ET range, and the, the 990s to the 1020s. Nowadays, you have, I would say, at least 75% of the cars at a race are faster than that. And I, I'm a proponent of it. Now, like I told you earlier, we're building those LS motors. And, you know, now, then we'll go from being in that ET range to being in, a, in the low nines. Will I be in favor of it then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I think it's good. I really do. I, I honestly think that there is a definite advantage to leaving set. Definite advantage on both ends of the track. I know. So we'll we heard we'll the, we heard the distraction factor, and we heard yeah. And, and Grant, hey, I run. You know, being when I run GTJ automatic and I'm running the car, you know, running 980s, and you run that 1150, you know, super stock T automatic or whatever or, or whatever, it's the same deal. But listen, I don't run a blinder. I do it all on focus, pure focus, bottom line. If you can't tell me those guys in those fast cars don't have all kinds of blinders because I see them. I, you know, I go by and look at people's cars. I see what they've got. 
it, it you know the distraction factor if that's a problem for you then drive a slower car leave first see how you make out the other end so we're gonna split your but response I, up here so you're running ls ones for next year is that the official word on the street uh there, there'll be the ls3 the 350 but uh I was gonna I was gonna try to hurry my process up and get it ready for this year, but um, barring any unforeseen miracles, I should be the Jags All Stars rep for Division One. I, I want to win that before I quit. It'll be my third attempt. <laughs> so uh, you know, unless somebody catches fire, and Byron probably be sitting here saying, "Yeah, I win. If I win four races, I'm in." Well. I said that he said that the other day on a group text, and I said, "Well, when's the last time somebody won four races in a season in Division One Superstock?" I don't remember it. Nope. Not, not since stock. not since I started racing in '07. <laughs> and, you know, somebody somebody chimed in. Well, last year somebody won five, and I was like, "Yeah, in stock, not Superstock." <laughs> so, so, and the other part on the true start is so, if it's such a big deal, we didn't have it this year. Was it fast or slow cars at one stock and super stock? Well, I, <laughs> I rest my case. I know, <laughs> I know you're. I know you're pointing at Jody. Jody. Jody's an anomaly. He, <laughs> he don't count. That guy. That guy could beat a jet plane in a bracket race. You know, with his with his station wagon. <laughs> Which even proves uh, the point more. Just get better, and it don't matter. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I and and I have gotten a lot stronger racing those fast cars i mean now the end of the year performance wouldn't indicate it because you know, i lost to bertazzi at dallas in the fourth round at a very 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 dark finish line <laughs> and uh you know i ran out by more than him i took some stripe but i think a little bit of that stripe was with the nose of the car but um and then the same thing happened to me fourth round at uh the vegas points race i ran the forest and he stuck me in the right lane, of course, or I couldn't see, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I've gotten a little better at judging them at the finish line this year, the past couple of years. Um, but they, they still have the advantage. You know, you're talking about, you're talking about true start, you know, even, even guys that, uh, that don't, I don't know, what do you want to say, that don't drive the finish line. They they definitely still have the advantage because the, the whole race goes down in front of them. And if they're leaving second, you know, maybe maybe you can see you know when you left you know, it, whether you're gonna catch them. I think. I that's my experience when I chase somebody. So I don't know. <laughs> we can argue all day long whether <laughs> whether, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage, yeah. you know. But I don't know. I, I personally, I feel more comfortable chasing people or running somebody that's within maybe five. If they're chasing me and they're within maybe five hundredths or or a, a, or a tenth or two three tenths dial, you know that I'm I'm real comfortable with that. Right. But the you know the the copos and the and the whatever. The, the, the factory cars coming on you at 160 and the modified that go 170 miles an hour. It, it, that's 
that's pretty drastic. I would think though. I've never drove a car that fast, and probably never will. But I know, like, so when I'm dialed, I raced Mike Mayans in a combo race in Brainerd, and I think I was dialed 1082, and he was like 863. I would say when the split gets that far off, I'm not sure that it's still an advantage. You know, well, if, if you're within I, a, if I you're mean, within a second or less, half a second, yeah, that's probably an advantage. If it's faster than that, I don't know that there is. Like it's, but, but think about that. But being the slower car, you're not going to judge that. Nope. You, you've got to you've got to put your faith in in the dial in, mm-hmm. and you you know you can't be down there playing with a guy at the finish line running, you know, having you by 30, 40 miles an hour. That's just just not just not a smart thing to do. I actually my plan going into that race is I dialed as tight as I possibly could. I knew I had to beat him on the tree, which I couldn't. And I got to the end, I'm like, I have him. I need to hit the brakes. But I already had my plan before then is I am not touching the brake pedal. I don't think I can get there. I'm not doing it. Thousand foot, I'm like, hmm, I'm quite a ways. He's not as close as he thought he'd be. Mile an hour cone, he's still not here. I should hit the brakes. Nope, not hitting. I broke out one more than he did. Like it was, but it was just experience. The funny thing about running those cars is when you leave the line and you look in your mirror and you see them leave the line, it looks like they're sitting still. <laughs> You're still pulling away from sudden, them. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get to about the thousand foot mark and you look back and you're like, oh, man, here they come. Yeah. <laughs> but I would think if it's just as hard for them to judge, you know, and like if you're spot dropping and doing some of the other stuff that you can do, I think they're really kind of at a disadvantage. Uh, yeah, if you, if you're a spot dropper and you're you're good at it, you mm-hmm. hit the you hit the mark every time. But Brent Capeca and yeah, his that's, uh, that's... front wheel drive car is always destroying fast cars, and it's just it's amazing when people can really dial it in and spend time and come up with a system that works for them. Like that equalizes a lot. Yep. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, I was I was talking to Bobby yesterday. I was telling him about what a nightmare it was to dial your car in Vegas. I mean that that was by far the most inconsistent uh track that I've ever been to. I mean starting line and finish line. It's just it was a nightmare and hey every car there was four races out there, right? In three weeks. Every car that won that race with the exception of Jody Lang, what do they have in common? Nine seconds or faster? <laughs> Every one of them. <laughs> Count them down. I mean, the stockers were the factory cars. The super stockers were the modified cars or the factory cars, except for Jody Lang and his stock. Man, God, that's a testament to how good that guy is. Yep. But but anyway, I, I am I am... I would say I am a proponent of true stuff. I, I think it could be good. How about uh, sticks and autos? You think they should be combined? For what? Class? Yeah. Just and, Or heads-ups? But or right. heads-ups? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to uh, obviously align some indexes with that, but it would cut down on the amount of classes in Superstock. I think the- there's too many. With the way tech is now, I would say no. There's tech. And I and, exactly, <laughs> and I I would just I don't know. I, right now, I think cheating's running ramp running rampant. But uh, 
I, I, I wouldn't be in favor of that. Now, you know, maybe for class runoffs, maybe. But then again, like you said, you've got a whole lot of factoring in there, of you know, indexes, weight breaks. Uh, you know, how are you going to make it fair? What 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 adjustment are you going to make on an index for a stick car as opposed to an automatic? You know, automatics are probably the best we've ever seen them ever now, but the stick shift transmissions are just as good. I, there's you really you, 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 what, what are you what are you doing? Let, let me ask you this: you you manually shift your stocker, right? Right. And you and but it's an automatic. Right. Yeah. You manually shift your super stocker. Right. Other than leaving the starting line with a clutch, what is the difference? And the well, shifting pattern. Right. Yeah. Well, more shifts, what is, quicker shifts. What's the, but but you're still. But that's also not, an advantage. What is, I can't run a radial tire. More well, gears. That's debatable. Like there's just there's certain <laughs> things. You can run a radial. Man's they, did it. They say you can. I don't know. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta test that. But um, go to Indy. There's guys running radials. I don't even think it matters in Superstock. Like every, I'm basically the only stick shift. Uh, maybe with the exception of one or two other guys, wherever we go. Maybe the Dutch Classic, we might get a couple more. But at the at the keys at the Nationals at Maple Grove, um, I was the only one last year. I've had to run Scott Gove a couple times in the class runoff. Which talk about your you seven judge, second I, modified I, I car. Judge that one. Yeah, I ran him wanna... once this year. I think he went red, thank God. Well, he cut a two two twenty light against me, but he knew he had uh, he just nipped me at the finish line. You'll have to come out to come out here to the Midwest and run in uh super stock here. There's all kinds of stick guys running around. Are there? I'll never forget yeah, my, one thing. my first hey, round. Go out, rest. go out west and run your buddy Schmack Pepper. <laughs> 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 or have him come east. My first round, know, a, it, my first round in a combo race ever. I was next, Gene Bickelmeyer, and I remember getting there and trying to stage, and I'm all nervous. And all of a sudden, I heard this insanely crazy sound <laughs> coming from the car next to me, and it was like he must have an on-off switch because that thing was at like 10,000 RPM. I'm like, I couldn't even hear my car, and I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, uh, let that thing I've go. I've heard that car here. a couple times. <laughs> Welcome to Stock Eliminator. Super stock. Well, he was super stock. Yeah, he's right? super stock. I'm just saying it was the combo race. I'm yeah, just like, what the heck right. is that noise? I don't even know if my light was turning it or not. Well, Brian, I got a question for you. What's like, what's the weirdest way you've lost a race? I don't know. I lost races about every way you can. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you I, could say your car shut off on you. That would be a pretty weird one. <clears throat> I, I don't think I've ever had that happen. Um, well, for me in my car, I think the weirdest one ever was Virginia last year at the national fourth round when I lost to Ken Hanley when I blew the tires off. But the funny thing was every car in the left lane that round, except maybe one, I think Daniels got off the line somewhat. But uh, I should have known better. I, I even had lane choice, and I chose the left lane. I don't know why, because Ken Hanley ran the left lane the whole time, and I wanted to put him in the right. Really, a smart move. But uh, 
you know, I go out there and, and what I should have done, and I even asked Dave Moden this, if I could do this. You know, we went out there, we were in the burnout box, and Emily Volkman was in front of me, and she's and you know, runs about the biggest bias flat tire you're allowed, and that car never spins. And right then and there, I should have backed Stop. out, <laughs> made a lane block, uh, and I didn't. And, you know, I, I let go of the trans brake, car didn't move. Uh, I was like, you know, I I hadn't spun the tire since I put a new rear end in that car five years prior to that. And uh, yeah, you and your brother, you guys I, do. I know, run some I know good you've tires. all seen. I know you've all. Yeah, we run the fourteen and a half thirty three uh, radial. But you know, my my car is as good off the line as anybody's. I mean, like I said, I, that's the first time I spun in five years. So is there a rule on that? And can you back out? Nice track. We we. Can, you, yeah, you can back out. If you have lane choice, you can, even if the other guy did his burnout, you can back out of there and say, hey, I want that lane. That's what Dave Moan told me. So, I think I want to watch somebody else try that. I don't think I want to do that. Oh, yeah, hey, I changed my hey, mind. Yeah. I'm going to move I'd over. I'd be afraid to do it. Speak, speak, Bobby, speaking of, speaking of Mac Pfeffer, he did that to Justin Lamb. Get out, really? At, uh, at Vegas. Yeah. The car, I forget what happened in front of him. I think a car put tranny fluid down on the track or something and uh he did he he i think it was a, a i think they were the first pair out and there was a test car up there and and he put some fluid down on the track and tim had the right lane and lamb was in the left and the next thing you know he saw tim screw guy going over to the official and then you <laughs> saw him backing the guys that back you know backing them out and tim went over to the left lane wow but yeah so yeah, that, that's what I was told. If you have lane choice, you have up until the point that's basically that you go and pull out of the burnout box and change your mind. Wow. All right, in, in 10 seconds or less, because I don't want to go dive all, go off into another topic, but you think lane choice should be a coin flip or should just the higher qualified car get it? I like the coin flip. You do? Yeah. Yep. That's a quick enough answer for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I like the coin. IHRA sure. used to do that. IHRA used to do that high qual, higher qualified bullcrap. Did the never, never agreed. I feel like there's no reason for qualifying anymore. Then, like, what, what yeah. do we do it for? Do you have any ideas how to bring more people into class racing? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah, look. Look at who does it nowadays. Did, did anybody in your family do it, Brian, before you? Nope. Yeah, so how'd you get into it? Just by somebody dragging you to the racetrack? A series of bad decisions. <laughs> but I mean, I, would, I probably wouldn't. I'm sure I wouldn't be doing it if my dad wouldn't race when I was a kid. I wanted so, to get in. I wanted to get into racing because my older brother did it, and I wanted to beat my older brother. So, the uh, I know my car's faster than him, <laughs> and but we have yet to race, so that'll come here. I'm trying to get him to go to a stock. But. Yeah, I mean, other than that, or other than drag your friends along to the racetrack, maybe you know, you get enough of them to come. Maybe one of them might get interested. Who knows? Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you one thing. I I think could really spark interest, and maybe want people to come into stock and super stock. 
is if NHRA would uh, get rid of pro stock and put these factory cars as the main show, not like that. You can't tell me that anybody identifies with one of those pro stock cars is the way they look now. Right, not anymore. When, when when my dad started racing again in 93 or 92, whatever year that was, those cars still looked like cars. And Warren Johnson's car looked like a Oldsmobile, oh, whatever he was running. Yeah. You know, uh, Oldsmobile Forenza. The Camaros <laughs> looked the Camaros looked like Camaros. The you know, the Fords looked like what they were supposed to look like. Yeah. It was totally different. Was, but it was such a cool class. Even the funny cars. I mean, look at the funny cars. You what stick car a little logo on there. You stick a little yeah, Toyota the, or Chevy. The, the, or toy, the Toyota looks like a Camaro or a Mustang <laughs> or, you know, whatever. You just have different different decals on the front of the car. Right. The car. But, yeah, I, I seriously think, you know, tub them out. Give them bigger tires. I mean, who wants to watch the – I think the factory showdown show right now, those cars look stupid leaving the line because they have to retard the timing so bad to get them to leave. And then they go down the, the track looking like a, a boat in water because the front end's so yeah. loose and, and up in the air. Give them the big tires. Let them leave the line the way they should. Was, I don't know. But if you want to keep the factory stock class the way it is, who knows? I mean, I, I understand those those things are a lot more expensive now than they should be anyway. Probably mm -hmm. probably fast approaching how much it costs to run a, super, or a pro stock car. Yeah, it didn't take long either. Four years. Uh, kind of like I suspected it would, too. Yep. Well, thanks for uh, your time today, Brian. Time is flying by. Like, it's been, uh, it's been really good. Yeah, well, you guys would start on time. Hey, now come on, hey, we, <laughs> Corona hits everyone differently, and the computer just didn't take it as well. So yeah. we apologize for that. We're, you know me, Bobby. Right, I'm always the first one up there when they call Super Stock. Oh yeah, ready to go, ready to go. He's got his tires checked. He's strapped in. Yep. Yep. As soon as they call Super Stock, my car, my starter's run turning over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Brian, you have any uh, sponsors or special people you'd like to name or thank on here? Well, of course, you know, I couldn't do it without all the people that help us out. Genesis, uh, our buddy Mike Gineer, who got that deal for us. Tilburg Racing Engines. ATI. Insinger Performance and Sunoco Race Fuels. Mickey Thompson Tires. Brown and Miller Racing Solutions. All, all my fellow co-workers at the Washington, D.C. Fire Department that allow me the time to go racing. And my family, of course. Mom, Dad. Dad got us into this sport. <laughs> I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate. Right now, right now it feels like it's fortunate. <laughs> so, Good old we'll see how, this year, see how this year goes. See if my answer is the same. <laughs> Brian, we got to get him to like, we got to get these other firemen to call out when he needs to go racing so he can't get any coverage. <laughs> That'll be all right. Oh, there's, other way, there's other ways to get off. 
Oh. I'm just glad he's going to St. Louis. I'd like to meet some of these guys that we don't normally see. Uh, I'd like to go out east. I just don't know if it's in the works for a while. So St. Louis hey, might be my the, Eastern uh, trip. I'm terrible with names. What's Gary's last name? Old Shark Bait. Hampton. Hampton. Yeah. He came. He was out in Vegas. He came up to our, He came out to our pit and introduced himself. Talking to us. He what a great guy. I mean, it, you know, you, you talk about you talk about what could bring people in that, to the sport. If you if you go to a race, especially like Byron and I going to clear out to Vegas, just see how the other people treat you when you when you go out explore different areas of the country at different racetracks. It's the camaraderie there, guys you've never even talked to before. They take you off and tell you, hey man, I follow you everywhere. I watch you guys and keep keep track of what you're doing and good feeling so yeah. i guess if you want to feel popular yeah it's <laughs> come cool, on yeah. out and start racing <laughs> i i hey uh my i always my girlfriend races too and she had a friend that that actually spent a couple minutes in a race car the funny thing was she when she started talking to my girlfriend about me or when i started talking to her um, she asked if i knew her i was like eh, i don't have a clue who she is i guess I guess she's one of those that thought you 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 put your name on the side of a race car, you're instantly famous, right? <laughs> is that is that why you got into it, Brian? You want people to you want to have a fan base. You want to have so, people thank you. I, I'm not even a I'm not a sticker guy though. I don't have any stickers on the side of my car hardly. So I uh, yeah, maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. I think oh, you want to put a, a math tutoring sticker on the side of that bad boy. Hey, don't worry. Uh, yeah. But, I know, I know it's uh, a lot less than it used to be, but you win a race without any of those decals on that car, you're going to regret it. Yeah, that's uh... get that get that NHRA check, and that's it. You you don't have you you can't look forward to calling up all these uh, contingency sponsors, asking them where your where your check is for the race you won in June. I'm gonna have to put those on. I'm gonna put a big old pay up sucker across the side of the door. That'll. Bobby, you could just start winning some rounds and you'd have more fun and be more famous too. That's right. <laughs> I got well, the, I, I I can always fall back on the cool car fame, you know. Did you get a Chevy? You Did you change? <laughs> no, you when get, I go out to the West Coast, I was surprised too. They're you like, got a Fazio, oh, you got that little red Mustang. You I got a like, Copo oh, yeah. for Christmas, didn't you? Oh boy, I wish. Hey, you want to go out west and race stock, you know what kind of car you need? What's that? A duster. A Plymouth duster. I think there should be a duster class there, at just about any race. There is a, they are a dime a dozen out there. Yeah. <laughs> As an old Mopar guy, that's actually one of my favorite cars, too. It's like, I think a Cuda would be pretty awesome, but dusters are, they work wow. really well. They're a dime a dozen. But man, we're going to get yeah. really dove into the weeds here, and it's getting late. So thanks for coming on. We're going to definitely have you on again. This was a lot of fun. Time flew by. Um, thanks for everybody for listening. Sorry we couldn't go live today computer got corona so we're going to try to get that straightened out it'll be posted as soon as we're done here um but for everybody listening yeah well it probably came from china you know it was everything comes there now but you can find us at classracingtoday.com um if everybody go on and we know the the feedback's been great the support's been great go ahead if you want to help support us go on to anywhere you're listening to the podcast give us a like give us a review whether it's apple or all the many other places it is. YouTube, find us on there, like us, share. 
Uh, also on Facebook, you can find us. If you want to give us some feedback, if you want to see somebody on there, even if you want to be on the show, classracingtoday at gmail.com is a great way to get a hold of us. It's been great, Brian. Uh, give me a lot of things to work forward to. and can't wait to see you in St. Louis. All right, man. You too. Thank you. can talk now <laughs> Bobby back he's back back I think a great intro is when he, at the very end there where he says he's never beat him in a final oh crap what was that right at the very end <clears throat> huh at the very end where he said I've never beat him in a final when he was talking about his brother just leave that out and just put I've never actually beat him in a final <laughs> I've seen them race a couple times. He was like super easy though. Like he just flowed. Like when anyone have to get into the weeds. I know. Funny story for another time is I I should have been a Plymouth person. Grandpa wouldn't let my dad get the car he wanted when <laughs> really? he was in high school. <laughs>